Welcome to Beyond Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Petralis, and we are so excited. Our month of May is our Women in Sports Month. We did this last May, and I got to tell you, it was our most viewed month we've ever had. So, um, you know, obviously we had some amazing coaches on there, and that had most to do with it. But this lineup is is pretty strong this year, and I'm really excited to to have a coach on here who I know on a personal level went to the same high school together, um, but someone who I just think is like the perfect person to kick this off and what they've accomplished and who they are as a person. Uh, we're really excited. So I'm going to give you a few little bullet points here uh, and then we'll jump into it. But, um, you know, held coaching positions at, at the collegiate softball level here at Merrimack College locally, Merrimack College, Suffolk, Emerson, Leslie um, in, you know, became a division one assistant coach at Marist College, took over her own program at Salve Regina, uh, where she coached uh, an impressive five seasons with a pretty good record and now is an assistant softball coach uh, at Barry University uh, down in Florida. Florida, beautiful Florida, and just uh, a really cool person to have on here. And I'm honestly honored to have them on here today as I kick my desk and my computer shaking here. But uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, from Barry University, Janelle Iaquinto. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks for having me on. It's it's really the honor's mine, the pleasure's mine. I love what you're doing, and I'm just excited to be here and talk to you about some softball, women in sports, and just kind of my journey through athletics. Yeah, I mean, we had an awesome like pre-phone conversation. I even joked with you afterwards. I was like, this actually could have been podcast part one. You know, it was it was that cool. And, you know, there's some things we'll touch upon today, but other things that we really didn't even like glaze into a little bit that I'm excited to hear, you know, your input on. But I want to jump into like I, I kind of glazed over Maris and Salve, but we did a little homework here. And, um, you know, you were part of a Maris college program that had an NCAA tournament bid. Uh, which is, you know, to me, one of the most fun uh, tournaments to watch on television is the, you know, NCAA collegiate uh, softball tournament. And to see that you coached in something like that, I thought that was really cool. And when you were part of that program, you know, your assistant coach, the program is at 45, they won 45 games that year uh, in 2016, mm-hmm. which was the most in program history. Um, you had seven players that ranked uh, in 2016, in the top 100 players. Um, and like I said, just really, really impressive numbers. Dove a little bit more into players that you had in the past as well, and some things that they had to say about you. So I can't wait to talk more about that. And then at Salve, um, you know, you were five seasons as the head coach there, seventy four and sixty four. Um, a couple of things that I found really impressive about that: you were the coach of the year in twenty seventeen, uh, and in in that year you also had an NCAA tournament bid. Um, but you had, you know. Uh, 23 all CCC selections. Uh, that, that's pretty impressive. You divide that by five. I mean, you're averaging four to five people a year that are being selected as all-stars. So that, that's pretty impressive that you have that consistency in your program every single year. So, um, you know, I wanted to give you some love there for sure. And in those places that you were at. Yeah. Thank you. And, and, and I'm going to, I'll give you a little bit more street cred. So I mentioned that she also went to the same high school as I did and uh, at Arlington Catholic high school. So we did a little even dive in deep here. And I remember you used to throw gas in high school. Like <laughs> it, it, it was, it was actually crazy. Like I, we used to joke and be like, could we hit, could we hit off her? Like, could we actually swing and actually make contact with it? Like that was an ongoing joke for a while uh, because you, you guys were my fan club. We, yeah. always had, we always had a lot of the guys come out to the game and it was fun. It was fun, especially that Arlington. I feel, feel like that Arlington game was was the big one where we had it like under the lights and yeah. it was one of the, the only night games that we had. It was it was a big one. 
And that's pretty rare. I mean, that's pretty rare that that happens. I mean, at least in our area where we were, like you didn't see many night softball games. I'm sure different parts of the state, it might have been a little different. But um, but at Arlington Catholic, you were the strikeout queen. You had 647 strikeouts on the mound. I mean, that's 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 the school record. I mean, I don't think that's going to be touched ever. And I'm not 100% sure on this, but I'm like 97.8%. Like it's, it's up there. Um, is I think you were the only D1 female athlete. You, you got a full boat to Siena for, for softball. Um, I don't know if there was anybody else who got a full boat um, as a division one athlete from Arlington Catholic. I don't know. I mean, my story is, is pretty, pretty crazy and pretty extraordinary as I, as I look back and I'm just listening to you kind of talk through my resume and things I've accomplished. And it's, it's wild to think that it all kind of started back at AC, but um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it's a small school and our athletic conference at that time, it's not really super competitive, but it was a kind of a big thing for just females in general to be going on to play at the collegiate level beyond that at, at that time back in what 2000 early 2000s yeah. 2003 2001 yeah. um but yeah i don't know i mean i i'm kind of curious now if i if i am or not but i would just love to see more kids get recognition for that or at least know how to go through the process because um I know that the school has had so much success athletically since since we've been there you're talking Super Bowl championships and state tournament um you know championships and and bids and all scholastic kids it's it's pretty pretty wild what's happened at AC since you and I were there. I know you've been there coaching and um, have seen a little bit of a little bit more than I have since, since I've left, but. Yeah. You know, I would say that especially in the late, like two thousands, like mm-hmm. 2007, eight, nine, 10. I mean, maybe even mm-hmm. a little bit beyond that. I mean, sport wise, pretty dominant across the board. I mean, like you said, state championships, Super Bowls, you know, uh, women, girls basketball there was was very good. Our house for a while good. with Coach Coach Brady, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. they were always a team that was in the final. If not, they were in the semifinal. I mean, they were there. They were there a lot. Um, Coach but, Brady, uh, he tried to poach me. He, he did for basketball my junior and senior year. See? I was like... <laughs> Absolutely not. My, I, I, I can't at this point. I'm already, I'm already committed. Um, you know, I, it just, my coaches would kill me if I took up basketball, you know, junior, junior or senior year, but he was, he was awesome. And it was just so competitive and a huge compliment just to, you know, be involved in, in many programs there. You know, I played volleyball for four years there too. And we were pretty successful, won some championships and it was, it was just, AC was a great experience for me. Um, it, it just opened up so many doors for me, um, especially athletically, but I just love the community. I, I loved like the old school, the, the cougar den that we had in there and um, playing all football games down at Arlington high. And it was just a cool little community and, and a great experience. Absolutely. You know, and, and yeah, it's some great memories there. And um, it's funny, you know, coaches trying to recruit you. That's what good coaches do, right? They see the best <laughs> athletes in the school who aren't playing their sport and they're saying, Hey, listen, come play our sport and you could focus on this and be really good at this, you know? Uh, so they can't hate them for trying there. But, you know, speaking of, of just the school in general, um, I know on our phone conversation, we had a pretty, pretty like unique conversation, just something that it's like one of those cool things to learn. You hear you actually, you played softball when you were younger, but you never 
actually pitched a softball. I mean, that seems to be your expertise and your specialty, even in your coaching, just looking at your resume. You had never pitched a game of softball in your entire life. And Mr. Grace, Steve Grace, who we all love, we all know, you know, home room was he 404 or whatever it was that that was like the home room to be in when you were a senior. But, um, you know, he kind of convinced you and said, Hey, you got to do this for us and you can do this for us and you will do this for us and you will be great at doing this for us. And for someone who never picked it up and done it before, I'm sure there was a lot of mixed emotions, but we talk about and have all these great coaches on, but talk about someone like that, who was a great impact, great coach yeah. for you that really where you are right now in the world that you're living in and in, in the sport that you're coaching and love this guy he kind of led you there. He opened the door for you. Yeah, it's the foundation right there. I mean, I, I, I get emotional sometimes when I think back to just being a coach now, what Steve Grace really, really did and how much he, how much he did for me, you know, and, and just wanting to and seeing something in someone and, and knowing that they can be really, really good at it when they think they're not you know, for me. So freshman, you walk in, I'm so excited, you know, to, to try out and, um, just showcase kind of like my, my infield skills. And he's like, Hey, can you throw underhand, give it a try? And I said, I've never done it before. He's like, well, we need a pitcher. So if you can do it, like you'll just be on varsity, it'll be great. And at that time, I know, um, there was a pitcher who just left to go to St. Anselm. And I'm thinking, there's no way, there's no way. So in the little gym, he just handed me a ball and I'll never forget. It was, um, it was, uh, Sarah, Sarah, um, I used to call her sister Hallie, but anyway, so she's back. Hallahan? Was it Hallahan? Yeah, Hallahan. Yeah. yeah Hallahan. Hallahan. Okay. And she was back there and like, yeah, just let it, let it go. And I just was, you know, as a freshman, like, oh my God, I'm going to embarrass myself. This is it. This is it. Cause all any of us want to do is really make varsity at that point. Um, but yeah, so just kind of did it. And he pulled me aside after, and he, he just said, I need you to do this. I, I need you to, to figure it out. We don't have anybody. And, um, I just think you can be really great at this. And of course I'm like, whatever you need, just put me on. <laughs> just put me on the squad. Um, so from there it was, it was wild. And that first season, I'm not kidding you. I, I, the average of like hitting kids per game was upwards to like seven. I'm, I'm being, <laughs> and, and Imagine, basically too, everybody in the lineup, like you plunk everyone like, in the lineup. <laughs> I would strike out like 15 kids and hit like seven. So, um, and honestly we would lose we would lose games with that many strikeouts. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really, it was really cool. And it's, I just remember him being like, you know, don't worry about it or it's not that bad, but that was when softball too. high school, they don't, they don't have this jump anymore, but, um, we were only at 40 feet in high school and college was at 43. Now they're both the same, but so when you go think about learning how to pitch and then I'm going to do it at college and they're moving the mound back three feet. It was freshman year. Freshman year was interesting, but um, yeah, Steve Grace, he just, he just stuck by me. I mean, the, the guy did everything that he could to, to support me athletically and not just in softball, but um, just saw something, just saw something. And that's so, like, you could argue that was a turning point in your life that you just didn't even know. Right. Because it was, it's you, you meet someone who, you know, and nowadays that's tough to convince a kid to come in. I mean, I shouldn't say that because there are kids that are freshmen in high schools that 
are more often now, and even at the collegiate level, walking mm-hmm. in as freshmen and playing, you know, yeah. the, the mindset is there because whatever sport it is, they're playing it year round or yeah. close to it. Right. Yeah. But like to do that, like that's not, there's not many like, you know, 14 year old kids that are going to say, okay, coach or 15 year old kids and say, mm-hmm. okay, coach, I got you. And to learn trial by fire and, and you did yeah. it. And obviously just, as you saw, you're probably striking people. You're like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at this. You know, that yeah, junior year. <laughs> I'll never forget. Like recruiting is so different now. And I know that's a topic that you want to, you want to touch on at some point, but yeah. um, I remember after junior year, I, I was a, I think it was a globe or a herald like all scholastic or, or one of the big things because back then if you're in the paper it was Huge. a big deal you know the articles were big and you'd save them and you try to get that like all-star status and um so when that came around at the end of my junior year that's when i started getting some some phone calls and outreach from colleges and i'll never forget the first one i got because they called the house phone we just were getting cell phones back then but you know they call your house phone and i'm saying you want to recruit me for softball that's awesome but for what position and they're like to pitch and i still at that point it didn't register that it was good enough to even go to the next level. It was just kind of like something that I love doing and that I knew I was good at, but I never equated it to me being great at it. Um, it was just this thing that kind of defined me a little bit in, in high school and um, opened up doors for me for, for college and, you know, getting that first call from some division three schools and, I got recruited to play volleyball too. And that was kind of the big challenge. The big decision was, do I go division two, division three and play softball and volleyball, or do I take a chance and and go division one and really commit to softball? And ultimately that's what, that's what happened. And, you know, of course paid for my education and my family, we didn't come from, we didn't come from a lot. Um, So that was a really big deal. I'm a first generation college kid in my family. Um, First one to go, first one to graduate, first one to play sports, first one to get the masters. So I'm very, yeah, you're like at the top that. of the family tree right now. Like everyone <laughs> has to reach Janelle. Like that's yeah, what it is. Yeah. You know? Well, my stepbrother's giving me a run for my money now. He's in, uh, he's in grad school and he's doing really, really well, but yeah, it was, it was an awesome experience. And, and to be, to be real, if I hadn't gone to AC, I never would have tried pitching. It would have never happened. So the fact that three, four years later, it's giving me opportunity to, to play at the collegiate level and play at the top level is surreal. And then it ended up becoming my career. I mean, I was done after four years of, of college softball, you know, I had torn my ACL and kind of had a shoulder surgery and needed to rehab and, and come back from that, which I did. But at the end of our, our season that year, I, I was done. I was just grateful for the opportunity and the sport and hung up my cleats. And, and that was it for me it was on to kind of whatever was next. And my coach, another great influential person at the time was really encouraging me to get into coaching. And um, sent me some jobs in the Boston area. And eventually I caved and, and applied and ended up at Suffolk. And it just kind of like took off from there in ways that I never would have expected. Um, so yeah, it, it all goes back to AC and, and Steve Grace and opportunity. And he just, I don't know, like I get asked this question a lot from people, how you must've known that you were that good, or you must've loved, you know, all of that recognition. And at the time, I think 
I was just good at something and somebody saw something in me that I didn't see yet. Um, so it was, I wanted to work so hard for, you know, Steve Grace. I wanted to work so hard to be this, this athlete and, and to kind of have all of this stuff, but it was never about the accolades. It was never about kind of the success stuff. Um, so it was pretty, pretty humble. And I know, Steve Grace was, that was big with him too. But this is a guy, he called me all the time in college and called me after games and want to know the breakdowns and want to know the stats and what was going on and why I sucked that day or why I was awesome. And um, so when he passed, it was, it was a really big loss. I know for the AC community, but for, for me too. Um, and, and knowing both of, both of his sons and his, and his daughter, it, it was just, it was just very sad, you know, very, very sad. So there's a piece of me, I think that tries to carry that on through this profession and up until Maris, I mean, I didn't think it would be a full-time profession, but here we are, you know, going eight years, almost eight years since I've been there and it's, it's a career. And I've had so many great experiences with, with other coaches and um, coaches nationally across divisions. And it's just been, it's just been incredible. So I, I I have so much appreciation for, for the high school um, time period and in a young person's life. and the experience that they have with sports and especially for, for, you know, young women, but also for young men too. I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing and it should never be overlooked or should never be looked at as it's just high school. Um, so I feel really strongly about that. And it's what I've carried with me moving into the collegiate career. Yeah. And, and what I love about it is the fact that like, again, just kind of going back to like the very beginning of it. I mean, it's probably one of the most ultimate character building things for you too, as you, you know, pitching is like, when I look at your resume and I look through like everything that you've accomplished, which is a lot. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I didn't say either. Um, one thing that stood out to me is your development of pitching. I, I pulled the stat out that I found. So in five seasons, four pitches in five seasons that you coached were have received pitcher of the year accolades that includes at Marist in 2015 and 2016. And then at Salve in 2017 and 2019. To me, that's like, you know what you're doing. Um, and obviously <laughs> hearing your story and how you really learn from scratch. I mean, what are the things that you're looking for in pitchers in general or things that are just like mechanically that you maybe stress more than others, you know, more than yeah. others? Um, well, fingers crossed that 2022 will be added to that list. We've, we've got a top two kid in the region right now for us, and she's had a tremendous, tremendous year. So fingers crossed that, you know, Macy will Macy will get the recognition she deserves. But developing pictures, I to be honest with you, Anthony, like I, I was self-taught and then kind of sought out. Um, I had a, a pitching coach who's dad was affiliated with the BC softball program. And I would go to his house and I would just be in his backyard taking not only what I could, but from my 30 minute lesson that, you know, that's all we could afford, but I would stay for hours and watch other kids. Um, and they would let me kind of hang out there and just listen and watch and, um, get the most out of that. So my dad would just drop me off and come back and pick me up in a couple hours. And like, that's how I spent most of my, most of my weekends. Um, and then we would go and train and work out. And, um, so, you know, I, I've seen a lot of perspectives when it comes to pitching and I've had a lot of pitching coaches throughout the years and, and I've just taken bits and pieces of that, but 
I, for me personally, there are certain mechanical aspects of it that are super important. And those will always be, um, we, we do a lot now with um, hip mobility and core strength and leg strength and leg drive and, and all of those things. But I'm not a cookie cutter person. So there are some kids that just do things better than others. There are some kids that are more flexible, some kids that are stronger, some kids that are built differently. Um, so it, it's kind of finding out what those strengths are and maximizing them and pushing them to really be great at those things, but also kind of working on some of the weaker areas that they have either physically, mentally, or with their pitching and their mechanics and kind of putting it all together and, and working through that. So um, we had one kid this year, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, at Perry, she was, she throws hard, you know, she was a, she was like a 56, 57 kid, um, very strong, super athletic. Um, her dad was a former, um, major league, major league hitter, um, with some, with some really, really tremendous and impressive resume. So the kid's a stud and she was throwing about 56 and like really wild. And I got, to work with her in the fall when I first got to Barry and we got her upwards to like 64 in a couple of months. And that's like unheard of. So and, mechanically and you can, you can like, if you mechanically correct someone, I mean, that's, you said yeah. that's on the high end. Like if you can yeah. mechanically correct someone, how much speed can you get maybe as a result of it? It's not, it's not five miles. It's usually like, you know, one or two here and there. You're usually getting um, more command over over your pitches, more break, um, better spin, all of that stuff. But it's very hard to build velocity and, and to make a jump that extreme. Um, so, I mean, I just attribute that a lot to her to her work in the weight room and her commitment to strength, the strength and conditioning side and just being athletic. But again, that's a kid who has everything you can tell what, who an athlete is, right? When a kid just looks athletic and when they buy in, that's when you can really work with them and say, hey, you have this much control and awareness over your body. This is how I need you to use it in order to make this better. And they understand that concept. So those are the kids that I really love working with and the ones that have the most success. Um, so not only are they built for it, they train for it, but they have enough control over their body and enough commitment to really want to technically fine tune what they're doing. Um, and, and they're the ones that, that get the most success. So it's been great. I mean, for, to get back down here and be throwing these pictures, I didn't know what the conference was, how I knew Florida was good. Southern Florida was like the Mecca for softball, but I mean, these kids, these teams would be division one Northeast teams, hands down. It's incredible. It's incredible. Now, speaking of which, and just kind of like what you were like alluding to with all that, like a pitcher, mm -hmm. like a successful pitcher, how many pitches? I mean, if a girl just has gas they're throwing gas and then maybe throwing off speed stuff or like mm -hmm. how many pitches are you kind of seeing as far as, you know, selection goes? So my, for recruiting, when I'm work, talking to the high school kids and, and working with younger pitchers, it's, we have this, this kind of mindset where you say we need three. So three is something that you can throw for a strike, which is typically, you know, you see that for fastballs, something that breaks a plane and then something that's off speed. So in softball, moving the plane is really going up with a rise ball or down with the drop ball um, or working in. So you would have kind of a rise drop combination or then you see kids that are really, um, you know, screwball curveball combination. So you really want to have something that breaks planes. I think the biggest 
kind of differential when you talk about division three to division one or successful pitchers is people that can work up and then people that can work down because that's really, really, really hard. Um, and when you're changing speeds and you're, you're mixing in off speeds of those pitches and then adding in a change up, it's change planes, change speeds. That that's what we got to do. And not enough kids are training at the, at the younger ages or training through high school and really understanding that concept. They're like, Oh, I have a, a curve and a drop curve and then an off speed drop and a change up and a screw ball and a rise ball and like a, you know, hard, whatever. Yeah, and a yeah. surprise. I, I don't know. They, they make up all these. It's things. like a menu with too many combos on it. You're just like, yes. all right, just stick to three or four of them. That's it. Right. <laughs> I always ask kids, I'm like, what's your velocity? You know, where's your confidence and command over that pitch? But the number one thing I look for is the changeup is off speed. If they can really hit that, they have a lot of control and they're going to be great. But, you know, I'm like, well, what, what breaks for you? Well, sometimes it's my curveball, not this. And I said, you need something that you are confident that is in your back pocket that is breaking and the ability to take that pitch and move it on and throw it on different planes. That's where kids are successful. It's not having a multitude of, of variety. I mean, we have a kid at our two kids right now where they one throws a, a fastball and a curveball, the other throws the fastball and a changeup. And these are, you know, full ride division two pitchers and successful ones at that. Yeah. I but mean, another day we'll get into pitch calling. That's, that's yeah. a whole other segment. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure as like a, a pitching coach, you must lose your mind on like certain umps is like strike zones or where they're calling balls and strikes you. Oh, I can't imagine that. I'm like, I think about that, like, you know, on the defensive side of the football, when you see like your guy get like dragged to the ground, there's no flag. And you're like, are you kidding me? So yeah. I can't even imagine like a strike zone for like, yeah. And you're talking, that. you know, a hundred, a hundred to 150 pitches over a three game series. It's, it can be brutal. It, it can be brutal, but that's, that's the part of it that I, that I actually enjoy, you know, not getting frustrated and, and you know, that side of it, but it, it becomes this, it's like this competitive competitive thing. It's okay. Where we have all this information on these hitters and we have these scouting reports and I know the strength and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. I think my, my strength as a coach is really my pitch calling game. Um, so, you know, to get in there and to have to figure out the zone and then work off different hitters, strengths and weaknesses and what we're getting and then working off the plate. And I mean, I've had I've had catchers do some some pretty some pretty crazy things back there where, um, you know, I'm, I'm yelling at them for framing pitches. And I'm like, you know, you got to got to get underneath that one more, get underneath it. And you see the umpires nodding and, and it's a strike. And the catchers are like, coach, why are you why are you flipping out on me? You know, why, why are you angry at me for for framing. I said, I'm not yelling at you. I'm indirectly like getting the umpire's attention that I need you to do something better soon enough. They start calling that same pitch a strike. Um, so, you know, you gotta, you gotta really understand the game and it is a game and there's different elements with every single day, every team that you play, the umpires that you get. Um, but I, I learned a lot from Joe at Marist. He, he pitched for the Yankees. So when I got there, he, you know, mechanically kind of understands softball pitching, but he's a genius at uh, picking pitches, calling games, working umpires, knowing how to work that system. And that has been the most 
significant part of my coaching career. And I'm, I'm most grateful for that. It's, it's taken, taken me to the next level as a coach, but also a lot of these pitchers that I've worked with that have done really, really well. Um, but yeah, Joe, Joe, he was a gem. I learned so much there. And that last year where we did go 45 and 13 and, um, you know, pit, we had two pitchers of the year at Marist and we went on to the NCAA tournament and we got, um, our, our bracket was Tennessee, Ohio state and Arizona state. And like the legendary Mike Candrea, you know, is, is, is coaching Arizona and we've got an ESPN game and, you know, we're in there. It was just like an incredible experience. And we almost shocked the world that, that year at Tennessee and kind of the game got away from us in the fifth, sixth inning, but what an experience and, and to see that caliber of play and for Joe and I to be right in the, in the thick of it, where it was just he and I managing the whole team and the whole staff was, was incredible. So when I got to Salve, I was pretty excited to, to do things on my own and to take bits and pieces of programs and that I've, that I've worked with in the past and, and kind of, really establish myself as a head coach and um, as, as a really competitive program within the region. But for me, it's those, it's those all scholastic kids, you know, it's the academic side, it's balancing school, it's balancing sport and having success in both. That's, that's pretty incredible. Um, every yeah. team that I had at Salve was the top team um, academically in, in the department. So I'm really, really proud of that and getting a lot of kids that had division one opportunity like, like myself, but wanted to play at the division three level for the experience. And, and that just propelled that program. It, it really, it really put us on the map. Yeah. I mean, so talk about that a little bit more and I guess your, your methodology behind it, because for me, being a high school coach, I used to tell some of our really good players like, yeah, you're really good. But when you go to that next level, that D3, D2, D1, everybody else is really good, too. So what do you what what's making you stand out about your game? Like, where can you develop it more recruiting wise? I mean, you mentioned the academics as well. I mean, when you're on the trail of what you're looking for, let's say in a pitcher or looking for someone in a teammate or someone to have in the program, I mean, what are some of the big things that I mean, it's not always the best player. Like we, we know that, but so what are some of the things I guess that you're, that you look for that are really important in not only helping a program on the product on the field, but also as like a team and getting along with each other off the field. It's a big puzzle yeah. <laughs> every year, every year. But you know, I, the, the big question that I get from a lot of families um, when they first start the recruiting process is, um, a lot of the, a lot of them don't understand what a fully funded program means. So, for example, in our sport in softball, fully funded is is twelve athletic scholarships. So that's that's twelve room and board tuition at whatever that in, whatever that institution is is twelve. So UCLA has twelve. Um, Florida has twelve. Right. It's it's the same across the board. And then institutions can decide how much they want to fund up to twelve. So how many, how many the, other people are on the team besides those 12? 
oh, pff, rosters at like Florida, UCLA are over 30. Oh, okay, um, you can okay, dress, okay. I think you can dress up to 30 for NCAA, but I mean, we, you're looking, we had 24 this year. 24 is a very big roster for softball. I, I think like 18 to 20 is, is where teams would like to be, but we're getting so much pressure as coaches to have bigger rosters for enrollment and all, all of that stuff. So, you know, it's, it's not uncommon that you're seeing teams have 25, 26, 27 kids on a roster and you're really running it with 12 kids, right? 13 kids. So when you talk about scholarship opportunity that who's getting first looks, it's pitchers, catchers, then shortstops, right? And then it kind of goes from there. So I, I try to explain to people when I have the opportunity that so much of it is, is what we call stacking in, in NCA. So you're getting a combination of athletic grant money, whatever it is, and then athletic money. So if we're smart as coaches, we're really going after high academic kids, not just because they're great kids and, and they can balance everything and manage, but they're also qualifying for the most on the academic front from a university. So that allows us to, to be strategic with what scholarship money we have and allocate that a little bit around. So um, my, my take on it personally is I think if you you can get every kid on your roster to like 70, 75%, you're doing a really good job. You're doing a really good job. And, and to factor that you're having someone pay almost maybe one year of school over four years is, is pretty incredible. And that's yeah. not, that's not their own loans or anything, but to get them to, to 70% is, is kind of the key when you're at that top level. Yeah. And we're still paying. I mean, I'm still paying loans back now, <laughs> you know, yeah. so for, for those young kids out there, it's good. Trust me. I'm yeah, still it's good. Them. Take it, take it, take it. <laughs> um, but, you know, those kids, when, when you talk about the commitment that that goes with having a job, essentially in college, we're looking for so much more than just talent. I mean, I don't even, I'm not drawn to the best kid. I, it's not, Oh, let's go find the best kid at this tournament, or this is the best kid in high school or anything like that. It, it runs so much deeper. And, you know, in the professional world, we, we talk a lot about networking and relationships and, and how important that is for, for us professionally. Right. It's the same thing on the recruiting front, having been in this business for 15 years now, I, I know a lot of coaches, coaches, a lot of high school coaches, a lot of travel coaches. And um, I've gotten to know a lot of college coaches. So we can't be everywhere at the same time. That's, that's what these kids don't get to, right? Here's my schedule. Come see me play. Okay. Well, we're talking baseball, softball, where if you're an outfielder, I can watch an entire game for two hours. See you get three at bats and not get a ball in left field. And I'm supposed to make a decision if you can play on my team or not. Right. So we rely on, on coaches and our network to say, Hey, are you going to see this team play? Can you watch this kid? Let me know what your take on her is. And um, it's, it's a small network of coaches that I trust and that I do the same thing for. So we're always, we're always watching, but I'll tell you the, the biggest challenge that a lot of coaches are facing right now is just the emotional stability and mental health of a lot of these kids. So it's, it's, it's a challenge and we really need kids who 
have the support system in place with their families or with their coaches who understand what their priorities are when it comes to college and it not just being athletics that are good people first, that will be good teammates, um, that work really, really hard, that are self-motivated, that are not kids that need constant praise or, or validation for everything that they're doing. Um, and they, they understand the concept of what it means to be part of a team. And that's really hard to find. To be, to be honest with you, because there's so many pay-to-play pay programs, and if you don't like this team, you just pay to go on this team, or you're not getting enough playing time, you just go here, and that's not how it is, because when you finally get to college and you hit that goal, you're now in a place where there are four other people just as good, if not better, at you, at your craft, so you have to deal with failure. I mean, this game is predicated on failure. You fail seven out of 10 times, you're in the hall of fame for being a 300 hitter. So it's, it's so much about failure. And that's a challenge with, with kids because everybody wants to be perfect. Everybody wants to do it the best. Everybody wants to be the best. But in order to do that, there's, there's, such, a, there's such a curve that you have to kind of balance to, to get there. And you, you have to love the process, not just the result. And, and that's what's hard. don't get it. They don't get it at all because it's mm-hmm. like the biggest, the, the most aggravating thing. And I know this is like a small thing. And some of these people who listen, probably they could care less. But like, there's nothing more aggravating than watching like NCAA Division One football, how many players transfer after a season and they're going here and they're going there and they're going there. And I'm sure for like maybe even for your recruiting purposes, like you see it like what D1 or 1AA guys or gals may drop down that we can maybe pounce on and get to play in our mm-hmm. program immediately. But there's nothing more aggravating to see how many kids are just transferring nonstop. And I'm sure some of it's legitimate. Maybe there's just not a, not a good mix. You want to be closer to home or it, things yeah. just didn't work out. But then there's the other aspect of it. That's like, you're probably not getting the play in time. You thought you were, you think you're better than somebody you're frustrated and you mm-hmm. want to leave. And, and to me, like sport teaches life. Like you kind of really went into how softball like change your life forever like sport affects life and 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 sport like kind of brings out what you bring out in life when it comes to Mm -hmm. tough times and tough decisions and maybe things not going your way you not getting the break and it's how you deal with it and i just Mm -hmm. feel like that transfer portal sometimes can be a double-edged sword because it it can also teach kids to quit and walk away from things because it's not going their way and it aggravates me when i see it like (laughs) running on the bottom line on espn and i'm like are you kidding and it's not like i know who the kid is that they're leaving or anything but it's just like I see that. I see that at the high school level sometimes that kids aren't getting playing time. Then they're transferring from the Catholic school to their public school, from their public school to a Catholic school. And like, I get it. You want to play, but like at some point, like you said, when mm-hmm. is it better just to learn from maybe what you got to do more? If, if a coach said to me when I played that, it'd be like, well, what do I need to do to get better? What is it they, that I'm lacking? They don't in? ask that as much yeah. anymore. It's it's a different it's a different time as as an athlete, and the transfer portal is is out of control. And um, you know, I I remind pitchers that that I work with, and I always share the story about me hitting so many kids and having to start from scratch that I was horrible horrible to the point I probably should have quit. It was, it was horrible. I mean, I had to cry to my parents to beg me to, to take me to someone or some kid that knew what they were doing. So I wouldn't be an embarrassment anymore. Right. Until I got good until I got really, really good. And they don't take that route anymore. They, they really don't. They're, they're missing that coping mechanism in life and in sport. Um, so recruiting is becoming harder 
to be honest with you. It, it really, really is. And then making sure, you know, having parents be helicopter parents and want to be involved in every aspect. It's like, this is a time for, for personal growth. This is a time for kids to experience and, and figure out themselves and how it is to be an adult and be on their own. And, and sport should be the constant in that, not the stressor, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not about playing time. It's, it's about learning your teammates and learning from your teammates and communicating and, you know, being supportive and buying into the process, not just the result. And that's, that's the biggest disconnect that I see with some of my kids and with players in general, they, they want to play for the best team. They want to be the best. They want to train with the best. They want the playing time. They're very result driven. They, they don't understand the process and they can't cope with the failures along the way. So that's kind of something that we have to focus on as coaches, especially when they get to, to our level, because that's it at that point. That's, yeah. that's the goal. That's right. the goal playing college, right? No yeah. one's going pro, no one's going pro, unfortunately. So it's, it's playing college. And I was having a conversation with some colleagues about this, that, you know, the summer ball circuit for softball is, is wild. And there's so many teams and these kids are playing every weekend of the summer and playing three, four games a day and traveling that they're missing out um, on how to be kids. And they're missing out on how to make connections with people. And there's just pressure. I have to be recruited. I have to play perfect. I have to make the best of my opportunities because there's so few of them. Right. So when they, they finally get that scholarship and, and we get them, they're burnt out. Right. It's sad, but they're, they're like burnt out. They're like, I'm sick of missing everything. You know, I got to do this six days a week. I got all this stuff. It's still hard. Like at what point is it not hard? And in college athletics, it's never not hard. Even when you're doing well, it's, it's not, it's not easy. Um, Right. And you're so right. Because even think about you, it's, it is, it's nonstop. It's a full-time job on top of your academic schedule, on top of mm -hmm. having your schedule responsibilities, I'm sure of workouts and practicing and everything else. Like, yeah. And, and that's why you only see that like 1% that brings on to that next level and plays professionally, you know, because mm-hmm. that those things are really hard and they're a mix of it all with the skill mm-hmm. set and can balance it. I mean, some can't, you see people flake out all the time, yes. young kids who make a ton of money and don't know what to do with it and don't know how to act. And don't like, you know, they, they have this freedom that they can do whatever they want. And sometimes it doesn't work out that way either. But like we're saying, like, you're just, you're creating excuses like right out the gate, you know? And then when you go on the job and someone gets a promotion over you, are you just gonna be like, well, I quit because I deserve the promotion. I'm going to go transfer to a parallel company. That's the same thing. I'm going to become that job. Like, you know, like it's just, I know, I know. And it's, Don't get me wild. wrong. There's probably a lot of haters out there right now who are thinking, well, you're, you're wrong. And, and that's fine. That's totally fine. But that's just, that's my mindset. That's how my mindset has always been. And it's led me to the path and it's worked for me. So maybe it doesn't work for everybody, but when someone, you know, wants me to do better, expects better, like, yeah, I want to give it to them, you know, and some, and some, because well, you know, that's want... being successful, right. right. It is not just wanting to do better, but doing better. And then, you know, wanting to, to kind of help others and, and use your gift and use your craft and your talent to, to help others. Um, but you know, my, my job, as, as a coach is, I believe this fully, it's, it's to prepare kids for life beyond college. It's how to be good people. It's absolutely it's how to, how to be, you know, self-motivated, but how to be on top of 
task, how to stay, make everything fit into your world, how to make time for your family, for your friends, for school and for softball, that we're not just coaching. That's such a little part of, of what my job is. And there are days that I love that and days where I don't, and I want to be coaching more. Um, but it's part of the process. And like I said earlier, that it's, it's process focused, not result focused. And if we want our kids to perform well, we have to invest in that process. And it's not always easy. And at times it's very frustrating. Um, but you know, it's, it's the moments that you get from players that are so grateful for what you're doing. And I mean, I had a, a player today just text me, she's graduating, believe it or not, she's 19 and she's graduating college, graduating early and, um, got into grad school at, at UM. And she was in last week and was like, coach, can I just talk to you? I, I can't find an apartment. I don't know what I'm going to do. My life is over. I'm going to figure it out. And, and I, I understand that anxiety and I, I understand that place because we've all been there, right? Oh my yeah, God, my roommates, absolutely. what am I going to do? And I just had a really good talk with her. And it was, it was an adult conversation about, you know, you're, you're a great kid and you work really hard and you, you deserve good things in your life. Sometimes they're not easy, but you deserve it. And you just got to keep positive mindset, but it can, it can stink right now, but you got to have a plan for tomorrow and just know that something will, will go into place if you stick to the process. And I got a call today from her coach. I, I found a place that's going to all work out, you know, and it's hard to do in Miami because it's so expensive down here but she that was that was the biggest part of her day and the biggest part of her life at the time and it has nothing to do with softball and senior day is this weekend so it's it's just like we're we're so involved and invested in these kids lives day to day and um their experience but we're also not responsible for it that's that's where the the fine line comes into play as a coach yeah um So, but it's those moments and those things where you see kids and jobs and careers and coming back that, that make it worth it because they have, if they have a little bit of the experience that I had from coaches, then they're very lucky people. They're very lucky people. And you know it, you live it. And that's the thing you live it. So you understand like what you wanted and what you got and what led you there. And so, yeah, you're just trying to recreate that. Mm-hmm. In, in some way for somebody else, you know, mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. and speaking of players, you know, um, I read, I read your bio a little bit. And one thing that really stood out, I mean, there was a million statistics and accolades that were unbelievable, but, um, one thing that uh, like that meant a lot to me as a coach was really building like meaningful, meaningful relationships with, with your players. You know, I think any successful program, there's a trust factor on both ends. Like if you, show those kids that you trust them and you buy into them and you believe them and you can, you're there for them, then they want to run through that brick wall for you. And I think that that's, that's a style of coaching that, you know, kids, I think nowadays more than ever respond to everybody wants love. Everybody wants to feel the love in some way. And as a coach, that's what makes you even great because doing that with a lot of different players in your team that might be different or come from different places or experience different things to be able to kind of, do a little bit for everybody is not easy. And I think that in coaching in you and I had this conversation on the phone, but like how much coaching, like 
at this level with kids are this good, how much of it is actually X's and O's coaching versus it dealing with everything else that you just kind of been talking and mentioning. And now even being in Miami, I'm sure that's a whole different distraction in itself. <laughs> keeping, keeping everyone. Okay. There. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, it's, it's not as much as I wish it was, or that I think should be it's, it's probably realistically you're talking 25% you know, um, overall at times you're obviously doing more than you are at different points in the season, but so much of it is roster management and on the administrative side of things and, and planning travel and, um, working for budgets and scholarships and recruiting and, and, you know, meetings and phone calls. And, um, one thing that I, when I'm going through the recruiting process and this might be helpful for high school kids, I think we spoke about it in our, in our first call, but, a lot, high school is going on right now, right? So like the college softball season, we're, we're winding down, we're hitting postseason now. And a lot of high school teams in the Northeast are really kind of just getting going or at the midpoint of their season, yeah. they play through June, right? So it's a totally different timetable. So when I'm getting emails from kids about like, hey, come watch my game, or this is my, you know, here's my clip or um, here's my high school schedule, love to come see you from January to May, I'm completely invested in my team, right? My kids and what's going on. And it is day to day. And there are things that come up every day. You can almost not plan your day because something else or someone is coming in um, and the amount of travel and training. And we just don't go to practice for three hours. It's hours before hours after that, that we're there. I mean, you, you understand that with football and film and things like that. So it's really hard. And I remind them that when you get to college, you're going to want your coach completely invested in, in your player development and your personal development. So if I'm only giving half of that, of what I have to my team, I'm not giving enough. So when our season ends is where I can kind of shift gears and, and about now where, where you start to make your summer schedule and all of that. Um, and you have more time to, to be on the recruiting front, but it's, it's even parents. I say, do you, do you want me focused on your, your kid's success and experience, or do you want me worried about, you know, which junior kid I'm going to go see in July? Um, so it's, it's tough, like to understand the college coach cycle and team cycle, because it's a different world and you don't really understand it fully until you're there. Um, so for us, different parts of the year are incredibly busy. Um, and for others, it's, it's, it's more coaching and camps. I mean, that's what I love about the summer is I I'm probably working 15 camps already and you get yeah. out there and you get to spend time with kids and work with them individually and have conversation and get to know them. And, um, that's the fun part. And that's what these high school kids need to be investing in. And it's going to camps, like going, to camps at those colleges and being able to have conversation and spend time with them, going to watch them play, not just to see who they are as a coach, but size yourself up a little bit and say, yeah. is this, is this a team I can really contribute to? Not, yeah. am I going to be the best on this team? Can I contribute to what this team is doing? But that's how you get to know people. And those are, those are the interactions that we as coaches need with kids before we get them. Um, because there's a lot of restrictions and a lot of things we you know can't do. Um, but one thing we, we have to do as coaches is really understand our players um, and, and really make an effort to trying to best understand them um, when they come to us um, because they're going to be pushed and challenged and grow and fail and succeed and have the best memories and all of it. But they need to be prepared to handle all of those things, um, not just the not just the good stuff.
Yeah. And I think that that's, what's like so unique about coaching and so unique about the whole process of it. It's like, you're, you're a coach. Like that's your label. That's who you are, but there's just so many more like branches that come off of it. And, and I'm sure for you, like these girls want to come and play for you. Like you're recruiting them, you're talking to them. So when they're there, they don't want coach being in another state or another school or another spot because they came and maybe you were the big reason or one of the big reasons why they decide to come. They want you there and they want you to like you to coach them, like you to be fully invested in them. So I, you know, I never even thought of that aspect of it either, you know, as far as like, yeah, they're buying into a program for sure. But when you're maybe a program that's really trying to build and become something even bigger, you know, convincing kids to come or getting kids to come is probably somewhat of a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It is. And, you know, when I first took the job at Salve, there were only six kids that wanted to continue playing. It was a complete rebuild there. Um, So the fact that when I got hired in October, late October of that year, and I was coming, I finished the, the fall season at Marist. I mean, I, I, I'm not kidding you. I was on a flight recruiting in Florida for four days for Marist and flew to Boston to drive to work the next day to start at Salve. And it was, it was, there was no time in between. Um, but there were only like six kids that wanted to stay on the team. And I had all these meetings and I'm like, Oh my God, what did I just do? I just left this program and we just won. We just went to NCAs and um, I I didn't even look, I wasn't searching for a job. This kind of found me and I I believed in the AD. And um, so anyways, you know, I, I had meetings with kids and we didn't have a fall season. So that's the most astounding part of a lot of this when you talk about that 2017 championship at Salve that a new coach comes in I don't get hired until the end of October we had I don't know maybe a handful of practices before finals started and I had to convince everybody to ultimately stay on the team give it a shot give it a shot and luckily not one kid quit that year and we we had a roster and that was the back-to-back championship year they actually had won the championship in 2016 and we pulled it off I mean I didn't see the team play until our first game on spring break um so you're talking about a condensed season where you're trying to just you know keep everything going and I'm finishing my master's at the same time doing my thesis and moving to a a new place and um trying to understand all these different personalities you got it at Marist, right? I did. So I had to finish because I left halfway through the year. Um, I still had to finish my my last semester of grad school while I was at Salve, taking Unreal. that on with no assistant coach. No assistance, rebuilding a program, <laughs> never seen a student play before, writing a thesis. Yeah, like, yeah. And a thesis is not easy. I mean, people no, check that no. and check it and check it and send it back. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, we yeah, were a money thing, but. at the NCAA <laughs> tournament. I had a post-it on my, on my hotel door that said, you know, do not knock between, you know, three and seven, whatever it was, because I, I had to do everything um, virtually. But it, it takes a village. And I I, I didn't necessarily, I didn't have like assistant coaches as softball, but I had a lot of people, a lot of people in my corner. Um, one of them, Jen ended up staying my entire duration at Salve and, and she just really 
crushed a lot of the, the team mom responsibilities and, and really helped me um, make the experience great for the kids. And then I went and begged the women's soccer coach to help out because <laughs> she had a soccer player was playing softball and she's like, yeah, whatever you need, you know, I'm here. So we, we kind of had like a, a, a mixed bag of people, but it took a village and it was such a, it was such an incredible thing. And, and to watch those kids and, and to hear them talk about, they won the right way. And um, it's memories that I know they'll have forever. Ever. And I hope that I can bring some of those same memories here to Barry because it's been a while since they've won a championship and experienced postseason and, and all of that success. Um, but it was hard. It was really hard. And recruiting, you know, it takes like three years before you start to get your recruits and the vision that you have to have it come to life. Um, and even during that time, you're, you're having kids that were not recruited by you that maybe have a different perspective or, um, you know, they have, they have different reasons or whatever the case may be. Right. And you're trying to bring in this new culture and, and create this new culture with a group of people. It's very difficult. It's very challenging. Um, so to have as many kids make, um, you know, all conference and play, we had the player of the year, um, at, at Salve and, um, you know, pitcher of the year. And it, it just, it just, it's been a great experience for those kids. And I'm, I'm happy to see that where the program um, has come to and also where it's going since my departure. And just again, leaving Marist, you, you were talking about what players say, and I have a jar of notes and you get a lot of like, you get a lot of things from a lot of kids when you leave programs, but they, they did not want me to leave. <laughs> Coach Joe still is like, no one cries when I leave, you know, or when I don't go somewhere. Well- Oh, let me say this because while you're on this, and this is one of the things I have in my notes here, and it's so funny yeah. you just like kind of brought up Maris. So I found a quote from one of your former players at Maris, and I say this last name. Who wrong, was it? Claire Oberdorf. Is that how you oh, say it? God. Claire, yeah, she was a two-score Division One athlete. Man, that kid's incredible. So, so this is what she had to say about you. She says, as one of her former players, I would have played every year under Coach Janelle if she was at Maris my entire career. She is a great coach and even better person. Like I said, she knew how to coach us, but she was also able to understand us as individuals. She listened to us and she guided us to being successful student athletes, teammates, and better people. I mean, I thought that was like. I just think that stuff's cool. Like, I just think it's so cool when you're yourself and you care about people that people appreciate that. And they see that as like a stepping stone in their life or an impact that helped them maybe achieve something that they maybe just mentally never thought they could. And for for someone to like talk nice about you, it's just, it, it is nice when you just, you are who you are, you know, and people appreciate that. So I guess just hearing that for you, I'm sure it just, you Mm -hmm. you brought up the kid and how wonderful she was. And, but I'm sure this is what you dedicate your life to. This is, this is who you are. And to have players that are successful that maybe move on and do other things or, or whatever impact you have on them. It must be cool to to always kind of hear things like that. It's, it's cool. It's cool, but it's, um, it's really special. I mean, how many, how many kids or how many people do you know that can make a statement that powerful of a statement about you as a person or you at your job or you as a friend or, or you as, as anybody um, yeah. to play that kind of role in someone's life. I don't take that responsibility lightly. Um, and I, I know the, 
the kind of responsibility that I have to these kids day in and day out. Um, it's not an easy job. A lot of times it's a thankless job, but when you get that out of someone, you know, that you're, you're influencing them, their life and for the better. And those kids, I mean, that was such a incredible experience. I still talk to Joe (laughs) regularly. Um, when I got to Salve, he would call me and be like, why is it this kid batting fourth or da da da? And it's just, it's, it's really awesome. But I have a, um, jar notes from, from those kids. I don't even know if kids really do this anymore, but when I left, I, I got this, this jar, it was a bunch of paper in it. And about two weeks into the job at Salve, I was unpacking some things and I, I found this jar and every kid on the team wrote me a handwritten note, not just like, we're going to miss you, but how I, how I changed their life or how I impacted their life or, you know, how grateful they were, how thankful they were. And that to me was when I knew I, I really wanted to, to kind of stay in coaching and make this my career. Um, that that's when I knew I was, I was doing something really meaningful. Um, so I, I, I reference that jar a lot and I keep it in my office. And on, on days when I question that, I, I pull one out and, and I read it. And, you know, someone like Claire to, to say that after a freshman year. And I mean, you're talking about a kid that had was nominated for player of the year nationally as a freshman and to, to play basketball at that level for uh, crazy compete for NCAA championships yeah. there. And her sister, Jane, her older sister was one of the pitchers of the year at Maris too. So I really got to know that family well. Um, but that's, that's the best part of this job. It is, it is, yeah. and it doesn't happen every day, but it is the best part. And as like a teacher and a coach myself, it's like, yeah, I, I a million percent agree with everything you just said, because that's like what you dedicate your life to, right? Like there's nothing mm-hmm. cool. Like in school for me anyways, is, you know, I'll use math as an example, like mm-hmm. to teach a kid, like order of operations or how to add and subtract fractions when they come in being like, I have no clue how to do this. I hate this. Math's the worst. And I always joke with my kids. And at the end of the year, majority of those kids that say they hate math and ends up being their favorite subject because you're teaching it to them in a different way and you're patient yeah. and your repetition. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of your coaching skills kind of come out a little bit and it's, there's nothing more like rewarding and, and cooler than to see them be able to do something that they didn't think they could do mm-hmm. and then be really good at it or be very consistent at it. And I think that that's, they trust yeah. you. You, knew, right. you mentioned it earlier and it's such a two-way street, right? Like kids have to trust us, but we have to trust them too. And on the coaching side, that's a big, that's a big part. We're going to put you in a game, you know, where ultimately it's, it's our, it's on us, right? That that's my program. And, and people do judge by wins and losses and success, not completely, but it's a big factor that we have to trust you to be in that position and to do your job and to have your responsibility. But in the same token, right? We got to trust the kids and, and that's all relationship building. So the kids that you get that moment with in math or where that light bulb goes off, or you see them get it and they're coming after school or they're putting all this time and effort into learning something. And when they get it and they, they are able to perform it or they're able to complete it or be successful at it. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Teacher coach, but it's that relationship you build with the kid during that time. Again, it's the process, right? It's not just the fact they learned how to, to 
figure out a fraction, which I could use some, some tutoring on the side. Um, <laughs> if you, if you're free, um, but you know, it's, it's the time that you invest in them in learning that craft or getting better at something. And it's the same thing in coaching. Um, yeah. so that's where, you know, it all comes back, even with recruiting that we're looking for kids that are going to, to take that and, and really do something with it when they're here for four years, because that's when they really figure out who they am, who they are, what they're good at, what they love, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's pretty cool to, to see them go through a program for four years and graduate with a degree and be adults and to leave yeah. better people than, than when they came in as 18 year old freshmen. Have kids, star families. Like, yeah, it's like, it's wild. It's wild, but it's, it's it is, it yeah. is. you One know, I'm always close. Married, I'm like, <laughs> Uh, you know, I I'm close with a group of, of guys that they see my first year coaching football there. They were freshmen. I was a freshman coach and I progressively moved up with them as they moved up and then eventually became their defensive coordinator. So to kind of see them all the way through winter Super Bowl was a lot of fun, but mm-hmm. I mean, that's a special group of guys that I keep in touch with a lot of them. A lot of them coached, you know, for me when I coached and um, you know, anything I ask them for, as far as the program went, whatever was like, yep, yep, yep. No problem. You know? So yeah. You know, you see those impacts years later and that group's suspect. And they're like, I went to one of their like surprise birthday parties um, last summer and I got a tip from somebody that there was, it was going on to one of our sponsors, actually John Brewers. And I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll go. So I went and like surprised them. And John Brewers. Yeah. It's awesome. It's just, they love us and we love them. So it's, it's, it's a nice relationship, but yeah, we went and, you know, when I saw him, we talked for like 20 minutes. He was so ecstatic to see me there, you know? And I just thought that that, you know, that's like when you think of those long hours and those long nights and the million hours of film and, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, the travel. It, 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 yeah, it's, it's appreciated. You know, it's appreciated it you know, to see that genuine well, reaction, you know, it's you, when you, when you have that moment with, with kids that you've either coached with or played with, you know, I, I one of my proudest moments as a coach and even just personally right now is when I got recruited for this job at Barry, um, I immediately thought of a player that I had at Salve who was on my staff at, at Salve. She graduated and immediately was like, coach, I want to get into coaching. You know, this is what I want to do. And I'm you always have that like, Oh God, is it really what you want to do? Cause yeah. it's, it's a lot, right. It's, it's a tough profession. It's a yeah. tough profession. And I said, you can absolutely come back. I would love to have you. And she just really ran with it and made so many connections, um, made so many connections for herself and, She's coaching one of the the top national travel organizations, you know, in the country over the summer and has a lot of her kids are going to SEC schools and doing incredible things. But when I got the job here at Barry, I, I immediately shared with our head coach. I'm like, listen, you have this vision and I can come in there and do everything you want me to do. And I have had coaching experience. So, so I get it. But if we really want to round this thing out, we got to bring someone else in to, to run the offense. And he's like, no, I agree. I just don't know how we're going to get anyone in Miami. I said, I have someone for you. And I mean, this is the kid who loves coaching and loves softball so much. And I just am so proud of her. I got to see her and get to know her as a player and then get to coach alongside her. But I brought her down to Miami. So she's been our volunteer coach this year um, at Barry and just watching her grow as a person and, and as a coach and make these connections with kids and, and be a colleague with has been such a special moment, you know, for me. And 
we talk all the time. I'm like, you know, having you as a player changed my life. And she says, having you as a coach changed my life. And now we're, we're in this profession and we're colleagues and it's, it's such a special thing. It just reminded me when you were talking about, you know, going to your, your uh, former player surprise party, but you just want to support people in, in this industry who are meant for it and built for it. And who have this like deep rooted desire to, to make people's lives better. Um, It's the same way in teaching. It's the same way in so many professions, but it's hard. It's hard. So I don't know. After this call, you might be on, you might be on my call list. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, we got to get through it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, great. Like we need pep talks too. (laughs) Yeah. I I love that. I mean, that's like, you know, for me, I mean, in jumping into the last thing that I want to talk to you about before our fun two minute drill at the end is like, Social media. I mean, I started looking at some of your social media and I think what's amazing about it is, is like, to me, like I, I built this, started building this business of beyond off the idea and off the premise that like, that's what's lacking at the high school level. What's lacking at the high school level, at least in Massachusetts, as you know, there's coverage, but there's not like coverage of everybody. And I think it's impossible to do, but social media is such a game changer for your program. And what we've done in the fall and the winter and what we're doing in the spring is giving that inside look into programs, but also athletes and coaches and showing these great coaches out there. We covered a softball tournament, not even knowing that the coach in Bill Ricker high school, uh, Patty Higgins, she won a 300 game at the tournament. She didn't even know. Um, So she, you know, that was like, that was a really cool moment. And to be able to capture that on social media i put that on twitter just like our little interview with her after the game oh. like seventy thousand views like within like a two-day window you know so um for me i was just kind of like this is why we do what we do and this is why we've built what we've built here is because it's coaches like you people that really are passionate about it and at the high school level it's you know on top of that like a lot of these coaches are full-time workers and, you know, yeah. have to have a certain schedule to be able to, which a lot of times is people in education, but if not, it's a lot of time that people that might have that flex schedule to be yeah. able to get the hours that you need to coach and practice and play. And especially in certain sports, it's nonstop. It's every day. So, um, you know, social media for you guys, you mentioned the whole recruiting aspect. You mentioned everything um, about getting players to come there. I mean, how much do you use it as like a weapon or a tool to, really kind of wrangle people in just to put you guys on the map and see who you are a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's such a two-way street, right? It's, it's where we're kind of showcasing our product and our program and as much as of an insight into our everyday and what our life is the same way that these kids are doing it on the, on the recruiting end, right. And wanting, wanting to showcase their talent, their skills, who they are as a person, all of it. But we can't be everywhere. And, um, it's, it's so hard, right? It's so hard to stay on top of every little thing. And I just, like I shared with you, and I I think this is a great point to just, to just repeat this and, and share that I was so excited to be part of this because what you're doing and this through this podcast and making these connections for kids at, at the high school level, right. And in the community is so cool, right? It's so awesome. And it's so groundbreaking. And there's not enough people that are capturing all of these moments and getting to know these kids and these coaches and in the way that you're able to, and it's giving us as college coaches, a platform, right? To, to make connections, to get the deeper story, to understand um, what's kind of happening or sharing a coach's 300th win was such a special moment. And even for her, now you've documented that, like you've saved that for her, which is super cool. 
super cool. Um, but it's, you're giving these kids access and you're giving them a platform to share who they are and showcase who they are to college coaches, right? Cause it's all one big network all one big network but if i'm if i'm seeing a kid on a podcast that's the all scholastic so-and-so of the year and i'm scrolling through it and it pops up on my twitter i love that stuff we're all media focused we're all very much wanting to connect with people and it allows us to to be able to do that with recruits and other coaches and programs and and everything so i just have so much respect and so much support for you as you guys grow this podcast and i know the vision that you have and the ways that you want to continue to be part of the community and and just make it really special for for these kids and you're so passionate about it and a great teacher a great coach a great person that i was really honored that you wanted me to even come on this podcast and i'm hoping that it does um create some awareness for for college college sports but also for high school sports like i said it's it's such a significant time in 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 people's lives and it should be celebrated and it should be out there and it should be promoted um and we need people to continue doing that and we need we need people to help kids get up, get themselves out there in some ways too and highlight programs and i just love what you're doing and i i think it's tremendous and um i'm just i'm just so honored and feel so privileged to be able to chat with you a little bit about my world um yeah. <laughs> which is crazy at the moment but um, yeah no it, please i'm honored so cool. i thought i you know i thought you were the perfect person when we chatted i said you know this date i gave you this date specifically i said you would be I think originally we had another date and then I reached out to you being like, Hey, actually, I want you to be the person to kick this off. I think you're the perfect person. So um, it worked out really, really well. And obviously this was a great chat. I mean, this was like, I'm like, I was like writing a few things down that you were saying, being like, that's a really good point, you know? So I got as much out of this as I wanted and, and more. So um, I appreciate you coming on here before you sneak off. We have a, our, our famous genies two minute drill here. Okay. I'm going to fire some <laughs> rapid fire questions at you. One or two word answers. We're pretty lenient here, but it's a lot of fun. It's nothing crazy. I'm not going to ask you anything politically or anything like that. So don't worry about that. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll get the timer set and, and here we go. Song that still gets you juiced up a little bit before like a big game or during warm-ups. During warm-ups. Um I oh you're gonna kill me. I like um Oh God, I can't even think of the name. You're going to have to edit this one because <laughs> no, you're good. It's okay. I mean, I've heard a lot of ACDC. I've heard of welcome to the jungle. Yeah. I mean, all that type of stuff. I don't know. Some coaches say no. Some coaches are like, no, not really. I'm like, okay. You know, cause music is, I mean, music has become such, I mean, in all sports has become such a, like, it's such a mixed thing. Like music and sport together is just like, it's the highlight videos, things you put on social media. It's just, it's become such a monster in that sense. Yeah. I mean, you could ask me songs that I, that I don't like on our, our <laughs> which is usually if the kids picking, it's a lot Yeah, um, the kids pick today. I don't even know half the songs on there anymore. So, all right. I'll, I'll ask you another question. I'll yeah. just make you laugh a little bit. And maybe somebody besides Steve Grace, cause he was also would probably yeah. fit on this list perfectly. Favorite teacher Alan to Catholic you ever had? Um, Dave Wilcox. Theology. Dave Wilcox. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. 
well yeah, known for the role one. plays. I think there was a lot of role playing that went on in there. There, it was just <laughs> it was an interesting plot. I mean, Serge Clivio's up there too, but yeah. um, you know, Dave Wilcox just really made me laugh a lot. I love that. Um, most memorable coaching moment you've had in your career? It could have been something small, something big, but something that just like really stands out to you. Um, one of the coolest was when we were at the NCAA tournament at Tennessee and our, uh, our coach was like, you got to go out to the mound. And it was an ESPN game. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Right. And we're getting the, the fans are nuts in Tennessee, but seeing that back when we were watching the game was, was just really cool to hear my name kind of in that, in that arena. And in that, in that way of, you know, assistant coach at Maris coming out to the mound and um, just seeing the kids reaction. And then after that, she had, you know, a a significant, significant big out strikeout got out of the inning. So that was a pretty cool moment. And they are like underneath your name, they read like 647 strikeouts (laughs) on the Catholic school record. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Now it's so funny. I almost picked another quote. Your your head coach, the head coach at Maris, had mentioned something about you and said that you had went out to the mound in a significant moment and you kind of rallied the troop. Is that what you're referring to right there? Wow! I almost picked that quote. I was like really <laughs> close to picking that quote actually. Yeah, uh, so that's yeah. so funny that that you're talking yeah. about that moment that I went back and forth between those two quotes for a while. Yeah, that was it. Was that moment, and I, I think. Um, coach said something like I knew, I knew in that moment that our team needed, you know, coach, coach Janelle and um, to have someone have that much trust in you on that type of a stage in a really big moment like that um, as an assistant coach was incredible, but as a person, it was everything as um, that's, that's again, this relationship building and that's the power of our jobs and what we can do. So it wasn't like me as a coach saying, Hey, I'm being there for these kids. Cause yeah, that was cool. But the whole moment and the full circle scope of that moment was, was pretty great. So, um, yeah, Joe, I asked Joe to, um, write me to just give a couple of quotes about me as a coach when I started applying for or thinking about other jobs. And, um, that's what, that's what he wrote down. So it was a really special moment for, that's for so me. so fun. Yeah. That, that is really cool. I remember being like, Oh, wow. That must've been like, it, it, he didn't mention the team or anything. So it was just funny that that was, that was it. Um, yeah. outside of softball, what was your favorite sport to be a spectator at Arlington Catholic high school? Oh, um, I really loved hockey. Um, I love the super eight games and stuff. I think that was cool. Um, football was definitely up there for me, but that was like a given because all you guys played and, and we were there all the time. <laughs> um, but hockey was, I didn't know a lot about hockey. So to watch that and kind of be able to go to those games, um, it was, it was fun. It was really, really fun. I love that. All right. And last question I'll ask you here. This is a tough one. I'll give you a chance to explain. Oh, God. What's who's the most talented pitcher you might have ever coached? And I know there's probably a lot of them and I know there'll be some that might be a little hurt, but I'm just curious. And you might you might name more than one and that's fine. But is there someone that just stands out to you for some reason? Yeah, there is. Um, So Jane Oberdorf is such an incredible person. And I got to work with her for a few years at, at Maris, it's actually Claire's sister and watching that kid be able to turn it on and be a gamer and be a really small kid, small pitcher in size. Right. But 
big heart, big, a lot of grit. Like she was small, but she was powerful. And you could tell she just, she wanted the ball. She wanted the ball every single day, even on days that were her off days. Um, But I I loved coaching Jane and I loved experiencing and kind of seeing her have the biggest moments in her career um, unfold with, with me being a small part of it at that time. Um, But yeah, she, she was the most talented and even from a pitching standpoint, right? Not like throwing 65. She was a 58 to 60 pitcher wicked change up best change up I've ever seen. And, you know, that ultimately to watch her throwing against Tennessee and Ohio state and, you know, all these kids and doing something. And that's what, that's what this is all about, right? You, You have a craft and you're really good at it and you love it. And you believe in that you don't try to do too much. You don't make moments bigger than themselves. You don't try to make yourself perfect at everything. And that's what Jane was. Jane was really amazing at being Jane and she kind of stuck to her own process. And, um, that was, that was probably my, my favorite pitcher that I've worked with. Very cool. All right. I love it. You've survived the Cheney's two minute drill. Um, Not and really. again, <laughs> <laughs> you did great. You did great on it. I've had uh, the, the first question is always tough. You don't expect yeah. it. You know, you don't know what the heck's happening. So uh, it's all good, but I really <laughs> appreciate you coming on here. Um, you know, your resume is through the roof. I think you're a phenomenal coach and even better person. And uh, like I said, you were the perfect person to kick it off for us this year. Um, I just, I think that you've set the bar and we have some great guests that are going to be coming on here. Um, and I even booked more than usual. Usually I do four a month and we're up to six this month. That's um, awesome. Recording. Yeah. So to me, it's a pretty special month on social media. We're actually recognizing on our Instagram stories every day. You know, we put a video all about sending youth athletes or high school or collegiate yeah. athletes. Um, and we're getting a ton of, of parents and coaches and kids that are sending even things about their teammates. So I'm almost to the point that we're going to have to do like two or three a day because we just we're getting so many so um, it's a really cool month yeah that's fantastic I mean it's 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 everything right supporting these young athletes and um, teaching them life through sport and being great examples and um, like I said preparing kids for life beyond college and preparing kids for college and just becoming better people better teammates better athletes so I I absolutely love it and um, I'm so proud to to be part of this and I know you're going to have some some great interviews and thank you for just acknowledging um the power for you know women in sports and even on the professional side of things it's a it's a wonderful opportunity and a responsibility that is uh is is really cool is really cool so thank you for taking time to to recognize not just me but all of you know the the young women in sport and um young people that are really trying to get to that next level yeah, absolutely. And especially having a little girl now, it means even that much more to me to, to have her have this type of exposure and, and deserve. So, well, let uh, me know when I can get her a softball. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me what to start doing. Tell me what she should be throwing. She'd be throwing remote controls right now. Like yeah, remote models. controls are good. Um, I don't know if you guys have a dog, dog toys are good. Tennis balls are great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, whatever you tell me to do, we'll start working. We don't know if she's righty or lefty. She's throwing both, which is, could be even better but that's the best for recruiting righty <laughs> left it. This is going to be great. A switch header. I see that's it now. It. 20, it. 30 something. God help us. Right? <laughs> well, listen, you are, you're always welcome back here. And, and again, we really appreciate you coming on and just being a ball of knowledge. Like I said, I learned a lot from you. So thank you so much. Um, so from beyond podcast, I'm your host, Anthony Petrellis till next time.